Welcome, dear listener. I am Imu Shalev. And I am David Foreman. As a way of kicking things off, I want to talk about what this podcast is all about. I can assure you it's pretty relevant these days. This series is about Sviard Ha'omer, the strange period of counting between Passover and Shavuot, but it's also about what we're all trying to cope with these days, COVID-19, the novel coronavirus. Specifically, the question of how we can cope spiritually with this crisis, understanding faith and prayer. So, you're skeptical, right? I would be. Svirt HaOmer and coronavirus seem pretty far apart. How have they come all together in one series? What, did you guys just want some clickbait? A few buzzwords? Not at all. It sort of just happened to us, in what felt, I don't know, serendipitous. Here's what happened. Several months ago, back in January, Ami Silver, a writer and researcher here at Aleph Beta, had come up with a fascinating theory about the middle blessings of Shmon Esrei. And he and Rabbi Foreman were learning together and recording those sessions. And they were pretty amazing. They were going through the Amida, blessing by blessing. And in the first week of March, they were up to the blessing of Rifa'enu, about healing. And now, it's the first week of May. And we are two months into the new reality that coronavirus has brought us. And healing, and sickness, and thinking about the health of ourselves and our loved ones has taken on a whole new meaning in our lives. Yeah, it was really kind of weird. Really like the last week before that normal kind of existence sort of crashed and burned and we all just kind of self-isolated. Lo and behold, the blessing that we've been up to was Rifa'inu without any thought that healing would be something that would be anything more than the mundane kind of, yes, God, you're our healer, uh, well visit to the doctor kind of thing. And so then Rabbi Foreman began to think more about Rifa'inu about sickness, and relating to God as a healer. And he began to call me and talk out some of the material, and lo and behold, it expanded. Not only was the confluence of coronavirus and Rifa'inu coincidence too strong to ignore, the material we were working on just happened to be the text describing the journey of Israel in the desert as they left Egypt, the 49 days from the Exodus to the foot of Mount Sinai. In other words, the stuff we were learning about ended up illuminating the themes of Sfirat HaOmer. And so we decided to put all of this together. Rifainu, Shmona Esrei, Sefirat HaOmer, and Coronavirus, and record a series of conversations about all of this. And that's exactly what we're doing now. So with all that having been said, I'm really eager to actually uh, get into it with you, Rabbi Foreman. Sure, I am too. And, and I guess to give a bit of a roadmap for our, our listeners, uh, we'll be setting actually a bunch of different texts, uh, stuff that you never would have thought. But the core is actually going to be the stories that immediately follow the Exodus, which is really the period we're in right now. And the texts we're going to be looking at are those texts in the Torah, the texts that begin with the splitting of the sea and take us uh, on our journey uh, towards Sinai. That's the center of what we're looking at. And uh, we'll look at other ancillary texts as they help enrich that picture. Phenomenal. So just before we begin, most of this material here is Rabbi Foreman's. I helped him develop some of it. Right, Foreman's going to be pilot. I'll play co-pilot. So with that, Captain, how would you like to begin? Okay, great. Yeah, so essentially, what happened was this. As Ami and I were going through these various blessings, we found something fascinating, at least something that I found fascinating, which was that the rabbis, as they put together these texts, these prayers, they weren't just using language that came out of their heads. They were actually using our history as a kind of guide. It turns out that in blessing after blessing, they seem to be referring to events 
that took place in the Chumash. In other words, what the rabbis were doing was grounding our prayer in our history. And as an example of that, and I think a good way of leading into what we're talking about with Rafa'enu, which is going to be our main focus, the blessing for healing, I want to actually begin with the blessing right before that of Re'enu, which ends with Goel Yisrael, where we ask God to look at our suffering and we pray to God as a redeemer of Israel. Right. I think that's a good idea. Let's spend a few minutes talking about the blessing before Rafa'enu. It's sort of like you can see Re'ena ve'onyenu as sort of like a running jump, a lead up to Rafa'enu. So what's Re'ena ve'onyenu about? God should see our affliction. He should redeem us. So on the one level, that's a personal request, right? We're saying to God that we may be going through hard times as a nation, maybe going through hard times as an individual, and we're looking for God to, to help us out. But that prayer doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of a certain kind of grounding, something historical, which gives it a great deal of power, a great deal of hidden power. Uh, and to see that, let's play a little game. Let's go back to the Chumash and try to ask ourselves where, if anywhere, in the Chumash, in the Bible, does uh, this kind of language appear? So if we look at the language of, of that blessing, we ask God to look at our uh, suffering, look at our oppression, and to take up our cause, as it were. And the blessing ends with God as Redeemer of Israel. So, Emu, if I asked you, what event does that remind you of in the Torah? Where did God do that? What would you say? So, Goel, for me, right? Geula, the quintessential Geula, quintessential redemption is Yitziat Mitzrayim. And mm-hmm. I see this word Goel Chazakata, and that reminds me of the Yad HaChazaka, God's strong hand. Oh, good. God is a strong redeemer. So mm-hmm. perhaps Exodus. And then at the beginning yep. of the blessing, you have Re'e which is our, our suffering. And um, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that word shows up all over the Exodus. Sure. The cardinal word for slavery is Inui, right? Suffering. And again, that's going to go all the way back to the very first time that slavery in Egypt is foreshadowed in the Torah, all the way back to Genesis 15, the famous story of the Brigman of Tarim, the covenant between the pieces when God comes out of the clouds and strangely tells Abraham, Right, they're going to be enslaved, but not just enslaved, they're going to be oppressed, they're going to be afflicted for 400 years. So um, I think you're right, right? And, and again, just to, to go to those texts, on the one hand, you have uh, the notion of God as Redeemer. We drink four cups of wine. One of those four cups of wine remind us of four Lashonot, four expressions that God used to denote taking us out of Egypt, the third of which was God says, I will redeem you. As you, I think, correctly point out, God is a Goel Chazaki over and over again for some strange reason, speaks of himself as redeeming us with an, a mighty arm and an outstretched fist or whatever it is, right? Uh, and Yad Chazaka. And so Goel Chazak sounds like the kind of redeemer which God reveals himself to be in Exodus. But the real kicker, as you yourself point out, is that language of, of Oni, of suffering in the beginning, which is unmistakably the Exodus, not just because of the Brit Ben Abitarim, but because of the pairing of seeing together with suffering, right? So let mm-hmm. me ask you, Emu, right? Where do you have the notion of God 
uh, not just relating to our suffering, but specifically seeing our suffering. So I think if I remember, there's a verse where Pharaoh dies and the people call out to God for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then there's this yep. really weird thing where God actually, he says, it says that he hears their, Nakatam, I think, he hears their, them crying out. And then it says that he sees, he sees their suffering, right? He sees... So actually, let's go to the verses and, and we'll let's quote do it. it. It's, it's really kind of remarkable. Uh, so yeah, why don't you take it away from Ex- Exodus 2, verse 24? Or actually, okay. 23 so, is where you started uh, quoting from. Right. So basically, the, the king of Egypt dies. They, they sigh from the work. They cry out. Their cries uh, go up to the master, to God, from their work. Vayishma Elokim et Na'akatam, and Elokim hears their cries. Vayizkor Elokim et Brito, and he remembers his covenant at Avraham at Yitzchak et Yaakov. Vayar Elokim et Bnei Yisrael vayeda Elokim. And God sees Israel and he knows. And your tone of voice there, I think, indicates uh, the sense of the verse. There's something sort of silently emphatic about that vayeda Elokim, mm-hmm. because the mystery is what does he know? Right, doesn't mm-hmm. say what he knows. Usually, when you know, you know something. That's a transitive verb. But mm-hmm. here, it's just he knows. Right? right. What does he know? It's also. I feel like if I didn't have that, right? If it just said, right, God heard their cries. He remembered his covenant. And then there's this new verse where, where there are two pieces that I don't. I don't feel like I need. One is, and God sees Israel. If I didn't know he's right. If I just had the last verse, I didn't wouldn't need him to see anything. But he apparently sees something. And then on top of that, he knows something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't. I don't know what's going on there. But uh... yep, it's a mix of cognitive perception and sense perception, right? Sense mm-hmm. perception is hearing and seeing. Cognitive perception mm-hmm. is remembering and knowing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in both cases, there's a far and near, right? When I hear, I can hear something from afar. But when I see it, it's right in front of me. It begins with hearing. It goes to seeing. When I remember something, I recollect something from afar, something that happened a long time ago. But when I know it, I know it now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of... How do we come to know things, if you think about it? The relationship between the sense perception and the cognitive perception is that, generally speaking, the way we come to know things in this world is through our senses. Our senses Mm -hmm. are our spies. They gather data. They bring them into our mind. Our mind Mm -hmm. collects it and knows. So God knows. What does he know? He knows everything that he heard. He knows everything he remembers. He knows everything that he sees. And what happens when you know that way? So you and I have talked about this a lot in the past. I think this is really the moment of God's sort of empathetic being with us, this sense that when I really know, I get it, right? I, I come to understand or identify with what's going on. It's, it's in the forefront of my mind. I get it. I know. And the very next verse is action. The, the very beginnings of redemption, if the, this is the blessing of Go El Yisrael, the Geula begins with Exodus chapter 3 with the very next words of the text. And the next verse in Moshe Hayaroa at some Yitra Chotno Kohen Midian, Moshe is ambling along, having a very fine life in Midian, and all of a sudden, bang, Vayera Malach Hashem Elav, an angel comes out to him, and there's this vision of this burning bush. Moshe's attention is grabbed. God introduces himself. And what is the first thing that God says to Moshe after he introduces himself as God? Take a look at chapter 3, verse 7. Vayomer Hashem. And God said, 
There it is. I have seen the suffering of my people in Egypt. There, I didn't even know you were going there. I thought that we were going to do some loosey-goosey connection in the previous verse where God saw. What did he see? He saw our suffering, and that's where Re'e, but no. Black on white in the verse. Ra'o ra'iti et oni ami. So re'e na onyenu is right out of this verse. Right out of this verse, yeah. And it's as if the sages are identifying that as the beginning of the process of gula. It begins here, right? This is where it all begins, where God says, here's what I've seen. I've seen the suffering of my people, and I will not stand by any longer. And look at, the, look at how the verse ends. Yadati et machavav. Right, I have mm. come to know their pain. When did we have that before? End of chapter two. Right, God n- knows. Right, and the God is basically telling Moses, "I get this. I see what's going on. I understand it. I understand the depth of pain. I get this." And therefore, verse eight, "Va'ered lahatzilo miad Mitzrayim." I'm going to take them out of Egypt. This is the plan. Ula loto minarzahi. I'm going to take them all the way to the land of. Milk and honey. So putting it all together, it seems like this is actually what Chazal are doing if they're reading this chapter, these two chapters, two and three, and they're saying, what, what's a really good prayer template for us if, if we're ever in difficult straits? Well, in, in chapter two, you have Israel crying out to God. What does God do? We know the end of the story. He hears their suffer, suffering, understands their suffering. He empathizes with it. Then he puts together a master plan to truly save them from it. He actually becomes the redeemer. He follows through. He answers the prayer. So Chazal say, what a great prayer. God, can you do what you did back in Exodus chapters 2 and 3? <laughs> that's, that's exactly what we're saying. And that's the re'enu. Look at that extra word. What word have we added between the words of the verse vayar et anyenu one simple word which yeah. is please that's it we're asking god please we have a request which is we are rooting this in history we're not coming out of nowhere where we're asking you to look at our suffering to look at our pain and to redeem us from whatever personal troubles or national troubles we found us in we know this is who you are it's written there in the book we are just going back to our history you've proven yourself as the being who's kind of made good on a promise. You you made a promise here in Exodus 3, and you fulfilled it. Very good. So so we see how Re'eva and Yenu is one piece of Shmon Esrei, comes from the Chumash, and I'm assuming that your theory will extend to Rephaenu, the very next bracha. So what I want to do in the final minutes of this kind of first session with you is take us into the next blessing of Shmon Esrei, kind of the mystery of Rephaenu. If the sages are clearly alluding to events in biblical history, events in Yitziat Mitzrayim, um, in the blessing of Re'en Avanyenu, are they continuing to do that in the blessing of Rifa'enu Hashem Venirafe, Hoshienu Venivashea? So let me actually take that phrase with you. Let's just translate it, Imu, that beginning phrase of the healing blessing. Rifa'enu Hashem Venirafe, heal us that we may be healed. Hoshienu Venivashea. Save mm-hmm. us that we may be saved. Now, you and mm-hmm. I are going to focus a lot on healing and what that means. But let's look at the second uh, line of that blessing. Save mm-hmm. us and allow us to be saved. So, Emu, let me ask you again. Save us and allow us to be saved. Put your biblical hat back on. If I had to say to you, where in the five books of Moses do we have God revealed in this kind of way as a savior, 
as someone who we can scream, save us, and God is there and he saves us? Is there an event that comes to mind in the Torah where that becomes clear? So I'm going to be a jerk for a second and, and sidestep your, your neat little target you painted for me to answer. And I'll answer you this way. Yeah. If I were reading the bracha of Rifa'inu on my own, I never would have thought that it comes from anywhere. I look at Rifa'inu and I'm like, well, that doesn't remind me of anything. There's not a lot of healing in Egypt, but Hoshienu v'niva she'a, sure, you know, that sounds a whole lot like Vayosha Hashem Vayomahu, which is uh, right after the splitting of the sea. It declares that God has saved us, uh, and this this is what we say every day, right before we say Az Yashir. That is very clear. God has saved us, and even if I continue in Rifa'enu, right now we have Aleph Rifuashli Malachom Makotenu, right the Makot, mm-hmm. uh, the ten plagues come to mind, yep. right here. And that's puzzling, by the way, the Makotenu, because in the Exodus the Makot don't seem to right. Be Nobody like... healed any Makot in the Exodus. Right, and we weren't the victims of Makot, because Makotena means our Makot, our plagues. Right. right, It was our enemies that were the victims of the plague. So you're right, the, the words Makot do seem to recall the plagues, but it's strange, it's a kind of inverse there. But I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely right about Hoshina Vini Vashea. Hoshina Vini Vashea, in biblical text, is going to also be lifted right out of the Exodus. Mm-hmm. Right out of the story of the splitting of the sea, which, as you say, Vayosha Hashem Bayamahu, and God saved us on that day. That becomes Hoshienu Vinivashea, save us and allow us to be saved. And there was precedent for that. We cried out to God at the sea. God responded by saving us. We're crying out to God now, Hoshienu Vinivashea, and save us. And now, even before we get to the Rafainu part of this blessing, there's an interesting kind of bookends aren't there, that kind of emerge here. If you think about these two blessings, Re'ina Vanyenu and Goel Yisrael on the one hand, and Rafa'inu Hashem V'nei Rafei, Hoshinu V'nei on the other hand, we've seen that they both reference the Exodus from Egypt, but they mm-hmm. reference two vastly different points in the Exodus mm-hmm. from Egypt, right? Re'ina Vanyenu was what moment in the Exodus? Right at the beginning. It's, it's in the midst of their suffering. Midst of their suffering. It's the very beginning of God's involvement. For 400 years, God had been silent. And now, all of a sudden, here is God, right, coming down and responding to Israel uh, that, mm-hmm. that had sighed and had cried out to God. And the first thing he says, the very first thing he says is, uh, I've seen the suffering of my people. And that becomes see our suffering. And then the very next blessing is the culmination of that process. When God has finally made good in that process, when have we finally been redeemed? We don't really know it's real until we see the dead bodies of the Egyptians, of that mm-hmm. army that pursued us at the moment of the splitting of the sea. So they're bookends here, right? These two blessings contain the very beginning of the redemptive process and the very end of the redemptive process, seemingly, mm-hmm. right? The promise of the burning bush on the one hand in blessing number one, and the splitting of the sea and the victory at that moment in blessing number two, Hoshina Viva mm-hmm. Leading us really to the $64,000 question, what then is the first part of that second blessing? Rifa'inu Hashem v'nei rafei Hoshina Viva Heal us right. and allow us to be... I don't remember a whole lot of healing at the splitting of the sea. Yeah. Doesn't sound like that, what God was doing at the splitting of the sea, right? Doesn't sound like there was healing at all in the Exodus process. And what Ami noticed, and I kind of noticed it concurrently, 
and uh, you know you and I have talked about it is that there actually is a moment of healing we don't think about it as the exodus but maybe what the sages are telling us with a wink and a nod is that the climax of the exodus actually wasn't the splitting of the sea it was the event that took place right after that a healing kind of event that they seem to lump together with the splitting of the sea which is strange because it's not the way you and i would realize and i'm referring now to the very next event right which conventionally the way we read it is okay the exodus from Egypt is all over, and we're moving on, and we're going through Sinai. We're starting with our forty years in the desert. The very first thing that happens. I think if you, it's strange if you're if you're suggesting that the climax is not the splitting of the sea, but the event that happens right afterwards. I imagine most of our listeners' minds are going blank for a second. Right? The event that happened right yeah, after like the splitting what, of the sea. <laughs> what 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 event happened after the splitting of the sea? There's just like a mullet. What's talking about? Talking about like what is that event? And the truth is, it's like a downer event, right? It's this really crazy event. The Israelites they go through the desert for for three days. They can't find water. They get to this oasis, right? Only to find that it's bitter, and they scream to Moshe, and they're they're, they're upset. And Moshe asks God, you know, what's going on? God says, don't worry. And he gives him this this tree, and he throws the tree in the water. The water becomes sweet. And at the very end of that episode, God makes a little speech. And at the very end of the speech, he says that all the sickness that I placed upon Egypt, um, I will not place upon you. And here are those words that come out of the blue, because I am God your healer. This is Bingo. the only moment, that's it, right? This is the only moment in the entire five books of Moses, to my knowledge, that God specifically refers to himself as a healer. This is when God says, this is who I am. I am a healer. And and the sages seem to be wrapping this up together with the splitting of the sea, which, as I said to you, is the first great mystery of, of Rifainu. These events seem like uh, they have nothing to do with each other. It's like, okay, the exodus is over. Clap, 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 right? Uh, think about it, Emu. Think about all the Hollywood portrayals of the exodus. Yeah. Where do they end? Yeah, we've, we've, right? we've way faded to black here at this point. The scene has, has been finished completely, and, and the sages, like you say, are totally tying them together. In fact, most of the uh, recountings of the exodus, I can't remember any of them, not the Ten Commandments or the Prince of Egypt, that even includes this scene. No, the Prince of Egypt ends with the Israelites dancing off to the sunlight and Whitney Houston singing her song about miracles at the with the splitting of the sea and the fish and, that's, and the drama, right? If you go to Universal Studios and they take you on that ride through the splitting of the sea from the Ten Commandments, the, nobody has the bitter oasis on <laughs> the, the bitter other water. Side. <laughs> it's just not there. It's it, we barely remember it, and yet the sages seem to say. You can't talk about the splitting of the sea, Hoshiena v'nivashea, without talking about Rafa'inu Hashem v'nirafei. They're bound up together with each other, which is strange. You know, you read the story of, of the Exodus, it seems to be over, and the sages say, it ain't over. There's another part of the story, and it's this strange story of Mara, which is part of the climax. Okay, Emu, so we, we've got this incredible mystery here, right? The sages in writing this prayer of Rufa'inu are bundling together two events that don't seem like they're bundled. Here's this prayer, which uh, was centuries of Jews over the ages, from people in the emergency room praying for their loved ones to, you know, the, the smallpox and the Black Death and just all of the dark moments in all of humankind's history and all of our history. This is the prayer that the sages put together 
to speak about God as our healer, and it all comes back to this biblical source. Uh, what I'd like to do with you in our in our next podcast together on this is actually to take a deep dive into that story of Mara. It feels to me like it is worth exploring this time when God himself speaks of himself as a healer. I think if we look at the story of Mara carefully, we may find hidden dimensions of what it means to speak of God as our healer. I think the answer to those secrets will be found in Mara. Mara is, as I think uh, we'll see, is a very strange story. It's one of those stories that's pithy, it's short, it's five or six verses long, but it's got questions up the wazoo. And the, the question I would I would leave our listeners with as they ponder this and, and, and before they press play uh, in, in the next episode of this podcast is you know, take some time to go back to, to Exodus 15. Just read through those five or six verses. Ask yourself, what's strange about this? Just clear clear your mind, pretend you've never seen the verses before, and just read it for the first time to say, gee, what's strange here? What is odd? Can you kind of catalog those things? Uh, do that and come back and compare notes. That's exactly what Emu and I are going to do. We're just going to go through the verses, what seems strange about them. Let's look at those questions. And I think if we put those questions together, they'll kind of beckon us towards a way of, of seeing the notion of God as healer, which I think is at once surprising and rich. So, um, Emo, that's that's what I think we have in store for us uh, in our next session together, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. As am I. Thank you, Rabbi Foreman. I think that's very exciting homework. Don't skip it. You should definitely look at these verses yourself. I'll also say it may not feel like it right now, but this is a course on Spirata Omer, and I'm hoping that it will have important implications uh, for those of us struggling during this coronavirus. So hang tight. I promise there's great payoff. Rabbi Foreman, thanks so much for doing this with me. Thank you. Hi, this is Rifki, editor for this series. Before you run off, check out alephbeta.org for more engaging, inspiring Torah. Normally, Aleph Beta is a paid site, but in these difficult times, we're making our material available for free for those who need them. So enjoy, on us. That said, if you do have the means, and if you believe in what we're doing, it would mean the world to have your support through this time please consider becoming a paid member or joining our producer circle. Of course, if that isn't something you can do right now, don't think twice about it. The most important thing is for all of us to stay connected and keep our community strong.